Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to The Spilled Tea, your place for the latest on pop culture, entertainment news, and LGBT issues. Now, here are your hosts. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Spilled Tea. I'm your host, Emmy Morgan. Um, still have that cough. I think my doctor said it's going to last another two weeks. He said this strand of the cold is pretty um, aggressive this winter, so it sucks. Um, if I cough, I do apologize. I'll try to mute myself before I cough. Um, I do want to make mention that um, if you want to call in to be a guest, contact me through social media. I have it open. Um, you can either contact me through um, Instagram or Twitter. Um, Twitter is probably the easiest just because um, <clears throat> I want to keep my phone, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to keep my phone pad on, so in case I have to cough, I can mute. Um, but, yeah, just contact me first before you call in. That's all I ask, so that I can um, just get a clear sense of who you are first. Um, or Facebook, Real Emmy Morgan on Facebook. So, so I wanted to talk about my coming into my blackness as a black trans woman. And I know that sounds a little strange, but of course I'll always explain, you know me. Um, so growing up, I grew up in Agawam, Mass, which is Western Mass. It's predominantly white, obviously. I was like one of three black families in the entire town. Uh, I grew up in a section called Feeding Hills, Mass, which is um, the more rural section. Aguam is more of the town where it's, you know, it doesn't have like fields really in, in Aguam. It's more developed. Whereas Feeding Hills, I think for the, by the sound of the name, I'm guessing that's where back in the day the um, Native Americans grew all their crops. Because, you know, I had an Apple Street, we had an Orange Street, we had a Pear Street, you know what I mean? So that's basically where they grew all their, their food and then it was developed into, you know, housing, businesses, whatnot. So we always had fields. I grew up, even though I grew up in a Section 8 housing development, I didn't really know it. And I've talked about this before. I didn't know it because the lawns were always manicured perfectly. The um, gardens were always tended to in front of the houses. There were kids always playing. There wasn't trash on the ground. There wasn't litter. I didn't grow up in, like, the ghetto. I mean, I lived in the ghetto for about three years of my life. And when I mean ghetto, I mean our apartment building had rats or mice. 
Um, we had drugs. There's a guy that jumped off our building um, during, you know, a high, and he died. And it, it was just, I, I grew up in the ghetto for, th- I had the ghetto for three years, but I grew up mainly in a nice neighborhood. I mean, everybody used to, um, at school, used to be like, oh, you you live in, Fe- in Pheasant Hill Village? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, oh, okay. They didn't know if it was condos. If you drove by any moment during the, after school or on the weekends, if you drove by, number one, you're going to probably have to honk your horn because there's kids in the area. I mean, I grew up with, I want to say at least 10 to 15 kids. There were always kids for me to play with. If I was grounded, I mean, the the torture would be that I couldn't go outside and play with my friends. I was always outside with my friends. That was torture. So I tried to be good because I I was missing someone. I was missing Jason, you know. Um, and I did talk about that, and I would just want you – I'm not trying to shamelessly plug, but I did talk about growing up in my childhood in my second book, The Family Portraits by Emmy Morgan. It's on Amazon, Kendall, uh, Google Play, um, I, iBook, uh, The Nook. And I really talked about my childhood and growing up black and growing up openly gay then and having such a wonderful childhood and, and so many friends. I'm still friends and in communication with those people to this day. And they all supported me. Every single one of them supported me when I came out as trans. So they're my lifelong friends. I'll always love them. I'll always um, keep in touch with them. But um, growing up with them, I think I was able to be myself. It wasn't until, like, going to school that I realized, oh, gosh, I'm different from everybody. There was this bully that I had in um, high school. I don't want to mention his name. I'm not afraid of him. I don't want to mention his name because I don't want to give him that satisfaction on my platform. But he used to call me a nigger. He used to call me a spear chucker, jungle buddy, go back to Africa, blah, blah, blah. And finally, I got pissed off one day. And I said, you know what? You go back to Italy. And he didn't like that. And he kind of stopped after I said that, but um, sorry, there goes Happy Feet again. He's up early today. Um, yeah, so I always thought, oh, I wish I was, my last name is very Irish, so I always thought, God, I wish I could just wake up one day and be obviously a girl with red hair and green eyes like Ariel from The Little Mermaid and walk down the street and no one's going to look at me differently. And and so I was always, not that I was hiding my blackness, but I was always uncomfortable with it growing up. And I, I remember for a long time, even into college, anytime I would meet another black person, there was this period, this odd period where at first they know that I'm gay. So they'd treat me, you know, standoffish. And then once they got to know me, then they'd, you know, be relaxed around me. And it always happened. It never failed. Every single time I met a new black person in my life, this would happen. 
And then it continued on past college. And I'd have to have that waiting period, you know. And it just really sucked. And for a very long time, I just felt uncomfortable around other black people. And it wasn't until 2001. No, no, not 2001. 2005. It wasn't until 2005 when I was working at a company called Mass Mutual. And I got a promotion. I was in their call center in Hartford for four years. Got a promotion and started working at their Springfield location. And I was walking down the hall, and this gorgeous black woman who looked like Tony Braxton, I could have sworn it was Tony Braxton, but then I was like, that can't be Tony Braxton. Why would she be working at Mass Mutual? Walked by me and said, Hi, how you doing? And I'm like, I don't know her. Who is she? And Next thing you know, all these years later, and again, that was in, no, that was, yeah, that was in 2005. All these years later, she's one of my best friends. Her name is Kristen. Hi, girl. Um, shout out to her. She kind of was like, no, I, and then one day she just started talking to me, and I'm like, you, you said hi to me. She's like, you say hi to every black person. That's what you do. If you don't know a black person, you say hi to them. You look straight in their eyes and you say hi. You say morning or whatever. Because that's just what you do. That's how I was raised. And her mother, Natalie. Hi, Natalie. Amazing woman. Amazing. So I just want to give them a shout out for kind of triggering something in me. Still, it took me a little bit to, you know, from 2005, it still took me a little bit to kind of get used to it. And actually, my actual blackness came into play in 2018. I know, to, sorry, Kristen, it took me a long time. It took me a long time. When I saw Black Panther, I realized exactly what Kristen was talking about. And then it just solidified things this year with the movie Harriet, with the movie Queen and Slim, and also with a movie that I'm going to talk about, Just Mercy. Harriet got me, well, let me back up. Black Panther showed me the difference between, oh my God, it is 10.15 and Happy Feet is blasting his music at 10.15. I'm sorry. I just, holy shit. I, sorry. I just, that, that guy is such an asshole. I'm sorry. Um, wow. Anyway. Um, but Black Panther, I understood more why black African people look at black American people differently. I don't agree with it. I don't think it's right, but I understand. And then Harriet really changed my view about being black. And, oh, it just, there's something, I, I no longer am sad that I'm different. I'm not. 
I'm not sad. I'm different. I do get angry, though. I will say this because, and I'm going to keep it 100% real with you, 100% real. Um, in my um, community, in my community, there are always transgender murders. Constant. I mean, it's like there's so much violence against trans women of color, mostly. In 2019, there have been around the world, 331 transgender people of color, mostly, that have been murdered. 331 people. My friend, who is black, was telling me, you know what? And she's cisgender. There's this woman who's doing an interview, and she hasn't sent me the article yet. I cannot wait to read it. There's this woman who talked to the different people that killed trans women that are locked up and asked them what was the motivator. And they weren't saying that there was trans panic. They weren't saying, oh, uh, she lied to me and then I found out she was trans. It was, I didn't want my boys to find out I was hooking up with a trans woman. It was, I regretted having sex with a trans woman, so I killed her. And let me tell you, it's mostly black men that are killing us. That is so annoying and angering because if you look at the timeline of any trans woman out there, um, Carlisha Brown, um, Hope Giselle, Blossom C. Brown, Isis King, just to name a few, even Laverne Cox and uh, Janet Mock. If you look at all of their, and my um, timeline, black trans women, you will see pictures and posts on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We are posting about cisgender black people being murdered by each other, by the cops, by whoever. We're constantly posting about it. And if you look at other cisgender black people, and I'm not going to call any names, but y'all know who you are. No one is posting about black trans women being murdered. They are not supporting us. And it angers me. So it's like I'm at this like I'm at this like crux of do I support my black community that doesn't fully support me? Because I am it it angers me that no one who is cisgender or let me back up. It angers me that some who are cisgender black people in my community do not post about black trans murders. Maybe we'll get a post about Laverne Cox. 
maybe we'll get a post about Angelica Ross. That's a maybe. That is a maybe. But we don't have their full support. They are radio silent when it comes to our murders. But we are posting up a storm when their murders happen. And I'm not trying to say it's them against us. I'm not trying to say anything other than the fact that when we walk down the street, people don't see, oh, that's a trans woman. They see black first. They see our skin first. And I remember T.S. Madison saying, whenever I have a problem with someone, it's of a, a person with color. I am black before I am anything else first. And she is 100% true. People may not vocalize it, but they see me as black first, and then they think, oh, she must be trans. And so I get frustrated. I get angry. I get annoyed when I don't see those posts. When I don't see, they're posting about, you know, their other, other cisgender people being murdered. But they're not posting about us. And that's a huge problem. And I also want to dispel something else. Being proud to be black doesn't mean I'm racist towards other people. Being proud to be black is something I've struggled with my entire life. I hated being different, as I told you earlier. Hated it. And now I'm embracing it. I am 100% embracing it. But I also know for a fact that part of me is white. I do have, like Ancestry.com says, 6% Irish in me. And I'm not going to deny that 6% either. I'm not going to look down on Asian people. I'm not going to look down on Hispanic people or East Indian people. That's not who I am. I'm just saying I am proud to be black. I'm okay with my skin color. I'm not looking to lighten my skin. I'm not looking to, you know, hide who I am anymore. I'm proud to be each and every inch of myself. And that is something that's huge for me because I've struggled with that. I no longer want to be a redhead with green eyes and pale skin. I don't even dye my hair. <laughs> I perm it straight because it's easier to take care of. But I don't dye my hair. And I just got my hair done Thursday and my um, hairstylist, she's like, wait, how do we get these flecks of red? And I'm like, oh, you know I don't dye it. You're the only one that touches my hair. Shout out to Sharna for keeping my hair looking good. If uh, you're in the Boston area and you ever want to get your hair right, um, if you're a person of color, even if you're not a person of color, she does all types of hair. Um, Shola Salon in um, South Attleboro, Massachusetts. You go to Sharna. She is suite number 19. 
she will hook you up. I've been going to her actually since February 2016 consistently. I go to no one else for my hair. We've done weaves, we've done wigs, we've done sewing wigs, we've done non-sewing wigs, we've done braids. Um, right now I'm on a, a relaxer kit. She relaxes my hair with this um, product called Influence, and it's all organic, so it's not like there's lye or um, formaldehyde in it. She hooks me up. Thanks, Sharna. And I was referred to her by my coworker, Bianca. Um, shout out to Bianca. Bianca was what I call her. Hey, girl. Um, I love the fact that Bianca's in my department because I feel like sometimes I, and first of all, and Bianca is the one that told me about that article with that um, that woman who interviewed the the black black um, men who murdered trans women. There's just something. It's not about like, oh, you know, I can't hang out with anybody else of race of any other race. That's not it. It's just I don't know. There's just certain things like she teaches me a lot. She teaches me a lot about being black. And, you know, my other co-worker, um, Marlene, with an I, hi, girl. Um, they teach me, like, certain things about being black because they, they know my struggle. And so it's it's just, you know, this is not a slight to my other friends who aren't black. It's just. I don't know. I I like learning more about my culture. I like learning more about, you know, and, and you know what's funny? It was in September. Um, God, I'm doing a lot of shout-outs. Sorry. In September, Bianca and um, our coworker, Angela, who sits um, across from Bianca, who is black, and let me tell you something. If you have never met someone who's white who is like pro everything that is Angela she's pro everything she doesn't care if you're red blue green if you have you know vitiligo she doesn't like she doesn't look at you like oh you're different she looks at you like you're different I want to tell you she is easily one of the most accepting people that I've ever met. She's actually the first person I came out to. I think I may have mentioned this before. She's the first person I came out to as trans at work. And actually she was my first friend at work too, because she's the, our um, union steward. And um, yeah, she took me in a room and she explained what the union was and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, she was the first person I came out to as trans at work. And um so anyway, my mentioning them too, when in September when it was Spirit Day, I had made my, I, I'll be honest with you, I completely forgot about Spirit Day. And Spirit Day, for those of you that don't know, is one day a year where we really focus in on 
anti-bullying of people in the LGBT plus community. I wore purple that day. And they're like, well, shit, why didn't you tell me? I would have worn purple. And just that little sentence between the both of them, I was like, geez, they are so supportive. And spending 40, sometimes more hours a week with people who are supportive of you feels good. And my other coworker, Marlene with an E, there is a difference. Um, She is so supportive. I mean, she just, she gets angry for me sometimes. Um, Something happened this past, um, holiday that I, I haven't talked about publicly. I was, you know, I spent the day, well, on Thanksgiving, I woke up early, volunteered for two hours, and then I drove straight to my sister's house, and then after that, I drove to my aunt's house. Now, my sister by love is white, and her whole family's white. They are so 100% accepting and they're, they use the right pronouns towards me. Feminine pronouns, by the way. She, her, hers. Um, they use my name, my, my authentic name. It's always good with them. From the kids that, you know, Six to the grandparents who are in their 80s. Constant, everybody is just on point. I go to my aunt's house, my biological aunt. There's always someone that will use the wrong pronouns and call me by the wrong name. Always. And if one person does it, another person does it, and then another person does it. And it's frustrating. And I haven't corrected them. But I will now. Because it's been four years. It's not like it's two years, it's not like it's a year, it's not like it's a month, it's been four years. And I'll be honest with you, if it's not corrected, it's going to prevent me from going to see them, because it's so frustrating, and it's so disheartening, and it makes me think, you're not really accepting, because you aren't even trying. So why am I going to waste my time going? to see you. I rearranged plans with one of my best friends. I thought that my aunt was going to be there the day after Thanksgiving. I was going to sleep over my friend. What I was going to do was go volunteer for two hours, go hang out with my friend James, and then go to my sister's house, sleep over for Thanksgiving, then go to my aunt's house the next day. That was my plan. But my aunt had said, oh, I'm not going to be there for the day after Thanksgiving. I'm going to be in Boston. So I said, okay, 
Well, I asked my friend if I could reschedule with him. I moved my schedule around to be insulted and and feel inferior. I walked out of there and I got to my car and I started crying because I was so mad. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to go there again. I'll be honest with you. Because I even made an effort. I even made an effort to get my mother over there. For whatever reason, my mother hadn't been over there. And she lives like a few streets away. And I made an effort to get her there. And so this really pissed me off. I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know. It just disheartens me. So I'm not sure. But let me tell you something. It wasn't everybody in my, my family, my black family. It wasn't everybody. It was a few. And it just angered me because I moved my schedule around to do that. So I've been trying not to see people as, oh, this black person did this and this, you know, so I I don't like all black people. Or I had a bad experience with this Asian person. No, I had a bad experience with that person who happens to be Asian. I'm trying to do that too. And I know it's not about color, but at the end of the day, yes, it is. Not in the way that I see everybody as color. When I'm walking up to somebody, you know, or walking past somebody on the street, I'm not like, oh, that white person. I'm just saying, I've noticed in my life, because it's been an issue for me, that I mostly have had to struggle with my relationships with people of color. Not necessarily, not necessarily like Hispanic or Asian even. That's the funny part. But mostly black people. And I love the fact that I do have black people that do support me. But there are clear examples that we don't support each other in our community. His name was Reese, well, was Maurice. Nicknamed Reese Willoughby. He was dating a black trans woman named Faith Palmer. He had her her name tattooed on his fucking forehead. He was a young black man. He struggled. He struggled in life. He struggled with drugs. He he used to hit Faith. But their love was solid. She understood. I'm sorry. I could never be with somebody who put hands on me. Never. But I'm not. I refuse to judge someone else that is going to stay in a relationship like that. I refuse. It's not my place. So they were in love, happy. And again, something else I probably mentioned before. I'm sorry I keep mentioning things that I mentioned in the past, but they relate to this topic, so I'm mentioning them. 
There's a video that I posted on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter where he's walking down the street, minding his own goddamn business, and he's being harassed for dating a trans woman by guess who? Black men. Black men. They're yelling and screaming at him. Oh, you're, you like dudes? You, you like gays? And then my favorite part of the video is there is a, I, I'm, I'm 100% sure it's a black woman. She says, he's not gay. She is not a guy anymore. You can hear it at the end of the video. And I'm like, thank you, girl. Thank you, girl. I loved hearing it. Loved it. And I also want to make mention of something that I don't think I've mentioned before, but it's worth mentioning now. When you see the hashtag Black Girl Magic, the creator of that, follow her on Insta, VPBG, just like it sounds, you know. Some black girl said, oh, she didn't, that doesn't include black trans women. She says it does. She certainly says it does. Shout out to sister. Shout out to Auntie Pebs, Pebs. <laughs> she says that black girl magic certainly does include her transgender sister. It's always a black sister that will accept us before a black man. I don't understand why. But I do thank you. I thank all the black women in my life I thank all the black women on social media who are so 100% accepting. Appreciate you. So, yeah, that's um, that's my spiel. <laughs> uh, movie reviews. I've talked about Harriet, obviously. I talked about Black Panther, obviously, when it came out. Queen and Slim. I saw it yesterday. It wasn't what I thought it was. Um, it was intense. And, ah, let me tell you something. Jodie Turner-Smith, who plays Queen, her character was fucking annoying. Her character was so annoying. She was, and it pissed me off because she was the prototype of an angry black woman, and she didn't have to be. And I was so Oh, I, I, from the first frame until the last, I just did not like her character. Daniel Kalua's character, I'm, I'm chopping up his name. I can't pronounce his name. I, I know Kalua isn't it, but Kaluya, Kaluya. Okay, whatever. Um, his character. was like the perfect black man character you like he's he's the perfect black man you want to date 
He'll ride, he'll ride or die for you. He will protect you no matter what. He'll look out for you. Man, he's like, I was like in love with that character. (laughs) Just like such a, something happens. Like, yes, they are the Bonnie and Clyde. But something happens that puts them in that situation. And it's like, oh, oh, God. But Lena Waits' script, though, mm, it angered me. Because, and I'm going to say this as gently as possible. Whenever we are in movie theaters. Black people always say, why Why is this white girl do this? Why is this white girl doing that? Why is this white guy doing this? And we make fun of characters like that. We, and even my white friends do it sometimes. They're like, why is that bitch doing that? So it's a stereotype that in a white movie or in a movie with white leads, they act stupid sometimes. That's the stereotype. So we associate things that we wouldn't do to, oh, that's a stupid white person's movie. It's not that we're being racist. It's just that's the only intelligent movie that I have ever been like, wow, that is an intelligent movie where it had leads that were white is, um, well, there's a couple. There's Eye in the Sky with um, Dame Helen Mirren. That was a really smart movie. Um, I blame James D. Riley from Days of Our Lives in the 90s. He did what I call the dumbing down of Hollywood. When you see a character doing something and you're just like, why the hell are they doing that? But it kept people watching in the 90s. And so it's transitioned over into film. And people do dumb things in film. And so Queen and Slim are on the run and they're doing dumb things. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Why are you doing that? And people have called that a dramatic license, that they do it intentionally. Writers, screenwriters do it intentionally to frustrate us, but at the same time tell the story. I hate dramatic license. Oh, it, it irritates my soul when I see shit like that. Not only that, it irritates my soul when one of the characters in the movie says, well, why are we doing this? We got to do this. And they're like, oh, it's okay. No worries. And I'm like, no, listen to the person. And then they do exactly, oh, just. (sighs) Queen and Slim had more than a couple of those moments. And it irritated me. So that's why that movie isn't a five-star movie for me. Written by a black woman, you would think that she would, you know, take out stuff like that, but whatever. 
Um, if you want to see any reviews, I haven't reviewed Just Mercy yet, but I will. I need a couple of days to just, oh, that, that movie got me. RealEmmyMorgan.blogspot.com for my latest TV, music, and movie reviews. I, t- I tell a little bit about myself, too. There's a couple times when I, you know, have a couple entries about myself. I actually, um, the entries about myself, I do the friends motto where they do like, they name every episode, the one about, the one about. I do that. Um, Shout out to friends, by the way. There was a pop-up store right by the movie theater yesterday. Um, a friend's pop-up store. Can we talk about that? The price point, the lowest price point in that store was $20 for a travel mug. I'm not paying $20 to have Ross, Rachel, Phoebe, Ross, Rachel, Phoebe, Monica, Chandler, and Joey on a mug or a friend's logo. I'm not paying $20 for that, Okay. Most expensive was $70 for a fucking sweatshirt. Highway robbery. I didn't, I was so mad at those price points, I didn't even take a picture. I didn't even tag myself in that store. And then there was like a, a museum tour, $33. Who's getting this money? Who? Oh. These people are millionaires. They don't need my $33. Make it free. Oh, I was so mad. I already have two things from friends. I have a sweatshirt. I have actually two sweatshirts. One that says Central Perk and the other one that has, like, some of the friends' quotes on them that I bought. Because I I like, I I love that show. I just, I love that show. It's one of my favorite shows. But I didn't pay $20 for either one of those things. Oh. So, um, yeah, I think that's um, everything. I, I did the show early because I, I have a one o'clock movie I wanted to get to. But yeah, I'm going to keep you posted on my progress of being, you know, more prideful about being black. I um. It's something I constantly work on. But again, I want to leave you with the notion. Being proud of who you are doesn't mean that you have to look down on anyone else. You can even be proud to be white. You can be proud to be white, but please don't look down on other people of other races. Be proud of who you are. So that's my final thought. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. Um, Shameless plug. You can get my two books. (laughs) The Ice Princess and the Family Portrait. I'm not going to repeat where they were. They're both in the same damn place. I, I mentioned earlier. But again, thank you guys for listening. I appreciate you. 
and I will talk to you soon. Bye, guys. Still thirsty for more tea? Then check out our upcoming and archived shows right here on our Blog Talk radio page. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at The Spilled Tea and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Spilled Tea. Thanks for listening to tonight's episode of The Spilled Tea.